Welcome to Marin Costello Radio, where we have intentional conversations with impactful people. Your weekly dose of motivation, inspiration, and entrepreneurship. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of building and running a business, interview leaders across all industries, and find the common denominator beneath it all. Welcome to Marin Costello Radio. Ladies and gents, I am so pumped for this interview today. I can't even tell you how impressed I am by the woman that I'm about to interview. She is such a force and I'm so honored to call her a friend, a fellow creative, an incredible entrepreneur. She is just the real deal. Reverie, you you are so welcome. Oh my gosh. And I want to share a little bit of your story with our, with our audience. Okay. Reverie was raised by a single mother in Northeast Los Angeles. Her household was full of dysfunction and she ran away for the first time in the third grade. Her poetry has always been her safe haven. As a child, she frequented the high school counselor and detention at school and was suspended often as well. Despite her behavioral issues, she managed, she maintained good grades and even had both her poetry and art published. In the seventh grade, Reverie discovered underground hip hop and her poems transitioned into raps. In high school, Reverie obsessed over graffiti, which led to fights and her first arrest, which eventually got her expelled from school. Then she started hanging with a gang and heavily abusing drugs to mask her depression. Loudon, her brother and now producer, special shout out, was selling crack to feed his heroin addiction, got stabbed, and shortly thereafter was sentenced to one year in a juvenile detention center. In hopes of a second chance at life, Loudon and the family moved to Washington, where they began to record music. Then in 2009, they released Reverie's first mixtape titled Castle in the Air, and within 24 hours, it got over 3,000 plays. It was then that they realized their music could become something much bigger. Nine years and 10 chronicled projects later, Reverie regularly tours as a hip-hop artist all over Europe and the States and has dedicated fans all across the globe. She and Loudon still record music together regularly and have cultivated an organic cult-like following. This following, called the Satori Mob, is also the name of Reverie's urban wear clothing brand. Hip-hop has saved their lives. (laughs) The coolest human ever. And by coolest, I mean the most steadfast and determined and resilient and dedicated. I mean, you have been married to your craft for a very, very, very long time. Yeah. And you, you, you reading that made me realize I need to update that bio. Cause now this is, I just shot my project today. My project's out now. Sometimes I like to sing and now it's 12 <laughs> albums in 12 years. So That's yeah. such an accomplishment. How long does it take you to create an entire album? Cause it, I mean, you could average that out to an album a year, but what is your creative process within that timeline? You know, um, all my albums are really different, but I would say in general, at least for the past few albums, I take years making an album. Like, for example, this album, I've been working on it for six years. Some of the songs on this album are six years old. Um, I never put them out because they just didn't fit. Uh, but yeah, and I, I never really realized that was like strange until I told, a, I've told a couple other rappers and artists that I do that. And then they're like, wow, that's so crazy. You do that. Like, Usually when people make a song, they don't like it next week, you know, and that's just kind of how it goes. And that's that's uh, something I feel for some of my music, but not all of it. So yeah, this one, it's been six, it's been six years. And I would say the last few, yeah, it's, it's kind of the same. Like I pull songs from 
a certain place that I've been meaning to record or didn't fit in a certain project and I'll just put them all together however I feel like they fit best. That's awesome. So you just kind of allow the creative process to flow throughout the year and you'll record, but you won't necessarily release it until you feel like you've compiled a cohesive curation of your work. And that's why certain songs on this album have taken you that long and not because they've necessarily taken you that long, but you just didn't feel like the timing was right. So timing is everything. Yeah. Timing is everything. Yeah. At least, at least for me. Yeah. So, and also a lot of my music is, it's really therapeutic as well. You know, um, it's really a form of therapy for me. So uh, it, it, it might sound funny for people that don't make art, but another reason I like to finally release those tracks is like when I wrote those tracks it was writing out something that happened in my life and when I don't release some of the tracks that I really like or that really meant a lot to me it's almost like I never really got rid of those emotions and I never really really let it out of myself so that's another reason why I put out old songs because I still can relate to them or I still feel them or whatever it is and it feels like once they're out in the world it's kind of like like a big exhale, like I can move on. So there's a duality when we talk about release, right? Because you're physically releasing your work into the world, but it's also an emotional, a spiritual release. It's part of your healing process. Absolutely. That's a perfect way to describe it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So at what point in the healing process do you wait until you release your music? Is it when you've come to peace with something that's happened or do you find that releasing the music enacts the peace? that you feel I, from something? I guess uh, for that, it's more, that's the tricky part because I guess it's not really about the moment in my life that I'm at. It's more about, does that moment fit in this musical moment? That's more what it is. I guess if I, if you're asking me like that, yeah, so that's why I've been sitting on some of these songs for six years because they just didn't fit in any of the projects or they weren't recorded or I needed a new beat for it or I wanted to rewrite of the second half of the second verse and I did it until five years later or whatever it is there there yeah so it's more like when when did it fit in the music and then it's out. right so sometimes I like to sing explain how this album how this project is unique to your other albums that you released so this project is really unique really really unique I would say in a lot of ways number one the beats are very uh, different. There's a lot of similar sounds to the past, but I use a lot of different kinds of beats on this. There's even my single, it's called Tell Another Lie. There's not even any drums in it until like the third, the third, uh, the third, third of the song. Let's just say the last quarter until the last quarter of the song. There's not even any drums in it. It's just a completely acoustic song. And I don't think I've ever put out a song like that or anything that sounds relatively like that before. Um, and then obviously the title, sometimes I like to sing. So there's a lot of singing on this project more than I've ever done. And there's also a few songs in there that are just singing and there's absolutely no rapping on it. And that's very different for me too, because I've always used harmonies and melodies over the last few years or whatever, but to create songs that it's just me only hitting like notes as a singer. I only have one song out like that. If I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, there's only one song like that. So now this is like a bunch of them in one project. Um, yeah, it's, it's also very different because it's like an album about love, 
then not just like the heartbroken side of love, you know, because my first like forever of my career, all I wrote about was heartbreak because that's all I was experiencing, you know, and and over the past few years, I've, I've experienced different things in love and and it's it's been really great to express those parts of my life that I never really knew about, you know, and um, so that's different, you know, um, and then another different thing is that there's a lot of skits on this album, which makes it really cool. I had uh, The Chronic 2001. Uh, it was one of my inspirations for this album and obviously not with the sound of it because that's like a hardcore rap album, but it's one of my favorite albums. And one of the reasons that it is one of my favorite albums is because you can put that album on at a party. You can put that album on at a kickback. You can put that album on while you're painting. It's an album that you can listen to all the way through because there's skits and there's party songs and then there's chill songs. That, you know, so I kind of had that really in mind when I created this as an art piece, not musically, but as as an art piece. It was, that was my vision. So when you guys listen to the, the album, you'll hear it. There's a bunch of funny ass skits in there and a little just weird shit that I ha- don't usually do. Yeah. I love that. What was your first memory of music or lyrics or anything that really compelled you from another artist when you were growing up? Do you remember that moment? My first memory of music? Oh, man. Um, this is going to sound funny, but maybe it's the song, the Macarena. <laughs> I love it. You know what? Um, that's like, I think I was in the first or second grade, and I know I performed that song for the talent show. And uh, I guess that was probably my first time performing music on stage. Now that I'm thinking about it, I've never thought of Nobody's ever asked me that question. Um, I think it was the Macarena. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. Oh so you God. mentioned a little bit in your bio about, you know, being a kid, but one of the questions that we ask on the show, just to kind of really get into the essence of who we're, who we're interviewing and kind of see the trajectory of what their life has become, what was Little Reverie like? And how is she different from who you are now? Mm, little Reverie. I guess I was uh, a really troubled kid. Like you read my bio right now, I was a very, very troubled kid. Um, my my parents got divorced when I was like four. And um, so my dad wasn't completely in the picture. And I feel like that affected uh, me and my brothers a lot. And my mom, she was left to raise three ki- young kids by herself with a mortgage payment, you know, in LA. And it's expensive to live here and it always has been. Um, so you know, she was really stressed and I feel like she took a lot of her stress out on us. And also my mom and my dad both come from generations and generations and generations of dysfunction as many families do, you know? And, and um, so we, we dealt with a lot of that as their children, you know, your parents are your products of your parents. So, but with that being said, my parents were all both also very, very hardworking and they were very loving and they loved us the best way that they knew how you know and I have a great connection with them now and all of us my mom and my dad included have all progressed what uh 30 years I'm 31 now so you know we've all together grown a lot in in that those three decades of time and I'm very grateful for all everything my my parents have sacrificed for me and and we're very close we're really cool I'm I'm really really blessed to have parents I also have a stepmom um my dad um remarried when I was like five so she's been in my life my whole life and I'm very blessed to get along with all three of my parents very well. I love them all very much. And uh, 
anyways, but, but yeah, growing up, so I didn't have enough guidance. My mom was working full time uh, in, in LA and driving in the traffic when she wasn't working. And we just didn't have enough guidance and we got in a lot of trouble. We got in a lot of trouble. I was always in trouble at school. I was always in suspended. I was always picking on people, getting into fights. And then when I was in high school, I was just doing the same shit, but I started kicking with the gang and then I started doing graffiti and I started doing drugs. I just, you know, I just completely fell into this crazy world. And I, I've, I've almost uh, been killed several times. I've been shot at. Um, I've been through a lot of shit in my life, but it made me really strong. Uh, it made me really strong having to go through all that because what happens in life is either going to break you or make you, you know, and, and I, I, I was broken for a very long time, but I finally have found a place of balance, I guess, to be okay with existing with the madness and turning it into something beautiful, which is my music and my art and my fashion and me helping people and inspiring people and talking about this, you know, and people always tell me like, oh, you have a cool story. I'm like, it's so funny, like hearing people say that because I'm like, it's it's my life. To me, it's not a story. It's my life, you know. But I realized that as time goes on, it's it's a great story, and and it inspires people, and it enlightens people, and it uh, challenges people. And you know what? To to be able to be that for people, it's a, really a blessing. So I'm I'm that's that's how I've changed now. That's who I've changed into. I've changed the the I've changed the the madness into balance it's not perfect but it's at least balanced so <laughs> and perfect would be boring and, also we're, and we're not made to be perfect so exactly. <laughs> you know we're just it's if you're perfect then you're flawed I think yeah, yeah. I you're think that math well <laughs> exactly exactly it's so amazing what do you feel like the most transformational song is that you've written for yourself because you say that hip-hop is your therapy music is there is your therapy is there one single body of work that you look back and think, wow, that was really transformational for me to go through in writing it and then also releasing it? Oh, that's a, that's a really tough one. You're like all of them. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, oh, I, I don't really know. Um, Cause I, I guess I do have an answer though. If I had to say which ones were the most transformational, it, it, it probably it probably would be this album. Sometimes I like to sing. It probably would be the album that I put out before this one, which is where the dark side ends. Then it's gonna go all the way back like eight years ago to my Russian roulette album. I would say those are probably the, the most significant albums to me personally, you know, um, because they did really embody uh, a really difficult moment in my life. And they were created in those moments of my life, even this album that I'm dropping, you know, I said I started six years ago. But that means I've been working on it for six years. So there's the last six years of my life inside of that album, you know, and um, where the dark side ends, it was like that too. It was, it was just a very transformational moment in my life and I guess Russian Roulette it's one of my older albums but I guess the reason that that one is so significant to me it's because that really does talk about my childhood and and my my young adulthood and it and it talks about a lot of life moments and experiences I've lived through that 
have transformed me. Like you said, that's that's the, the theme of this this question is answer. They've transformed me, and it, it might not have been in a good transformation. It was not, and the Russian Will album was not a good transformation of my life, but it was an embodiment of an important part of my life that will always be there, and that um, made me who I am now. Yeah, so that, those would be the three. I imagine that releasing music, especially about your own life, is a very vulnerable place to be. And so when you put out work where you're essentially fully naked, like you leave nothing left on the table, how do you then process or deal with people's responses to your work? Because I imagine some are positive and some are negative and some are indifferent and all across the board. Same thing with jewelry. Some people love it. Some people hate it, you know, and, you know, you put your heart and soul into a piece, but yours is, yours is unique in that you are physically, literally telling us about your story in the song. You know, people can look at one of my pieces of jewelry and kind of guess where I kind of pulled inspiration from, but people are legitimately hearing your story. So how do you then you know, manage people's opinions of you, I suppose. Mm, I guess the only managing I do is that if someone's talking shit, I block them. And that's I love about that. it. You know, if they say like, oh, this sucks. Why didn't you rap on this block? You know, if they say uh, you sold out, you just want to sing now, block. You know, but if someone says, I heard this, but I still like your Russian roulette album the best. Okay, I can deal with that. That's not talking shit. That's just a, an opinion. And it's a cool, it's okay, you know? So I guess that's the only way I manage it, girl, because other than that, I cannot control people. I block so many people. <laughs> that would be my answer that I block everyone. <laughs> You like can't you can't be bothered. You're like I can't oh. be bothered. I you're can't like, be bothered, and I can't have people like that in my space. And sometimes people be like, "Oh, you block people just because they say an opinion." I'm like, "No, I don't. I block people because they talk shit. So if you talk shit, I'm gonna block you. If someone came in my house talking shit about my house, I would slap somebody. You know, and those people wouldn't be allowed in my house. Yeah, I don't have you remove them. Yeah, so I'm gonna have to do stay on my social media. It's essentially my house. I live in it. I'm there every day. You know, <laughs> and also my friends are here with me, just like my fans are there with me on my page. I don't want to have any negativity on my page. The other thing is that when people talk shit on my page, my fans get really upset. And then I'll see a bunch of people talking shit underneath, like defending me. And I'm like, oh, my God, they're stressing out all my fans. Sometimes they, I will even block people if they're being mean to the people in the comments. Like if the comment to me wasn't talking shit, but someone else took it like talking shit. But then that person starts like harassing them and cussing and calling names. Block. I'm like, you're not going to stress out anyone on, in my house or on my Instagram. Good for you. And yeah. so you call your community Satori Mob. What was the birth of that name, of that community? Yeah, so the Satori Mob, it's my clothing brand. It's an international brand. We ship all over the entire world, except for Antarctica. If anybody's watching or listening from Antarctica, hit me up. I want to send you something <laughs> for free. I'll send you a whole ass care package. But um, so I started that brand uh, four years ago now, it was in 2017 that I started it. And I've been pressing shirts for years. Like I want to say something like 10 years, but they used to just say reverie, like this one, this is the old one. These just, everyone just think just said reverie and whatever design somebody would give me on the internet, I would use it even if it sucked, even if I didn't like it, I just needed to have merch because I might show people were asking me for it. Um, 
one day I realized, oh, you know what? I want to make a brand, an actual clothing brand rather than just rapper merch, you know? And there's nothing wrong with that, but I just wanted to take it up a notch, you know? So I have been trying to come up with the brand name for a few years. It actually took me two or three years to come up with the Satori Mob name. Um, I had actually gotten different logos made for another brand and everything. Um, and it just didn't feel right. I, my music is very deep, not all of it, but a lot of it is. And it makes people be very introspective. It makes people question things. And I initially, when I was starting out my clothing brand, I was just gonna make sure like, fuck bitches get money, hustle and like, you know, all that street shit, which I love that shit too. But I just decided that I wanted to make something that was gonna mentally stimulate people when they saw it. I wanted people to think, I wanted people to ask questions about Satori, what does that mean? I wanted them to be, be in a state of imagination when they come across my brand. And so one day I was reading the book, The Power of Now, and I came across the word Satori. And it was a word I had never heard of. It's a word most people in America don't know, I'm, I'm finding out, which is what I thought when I picked it. And which is, an, again, one of the reasons why I picked it to introduce people to the concept. Um, but it was like a light went off in my head when I saw that word. It was like, ding, ding, ding. I was like, Satori, that's a cool word. Even just looking at it. And I was like, what is a Satori? And then it says right there, like what a Satori is. It's a, a, a sudden enlightenment. It's a, it's a glimpse of enlightenment. You know, the point of all religions, there's some kind of light at the end. You know, there's the enlightenment with the Buddhas, and then there's the, the heaven's gates in heaven with, with the Christianity, and all of all the religions end with some kind of light, you know. It's and so maybe if you're a monk, you experience enlightenment, but the rest of us were just mere mortal men. We have stress, we have bills, we have people talking shit, you know. So <laughs> we can't experience enlightenment. We don't even know really what that is, you know. It's a it's a nice concept, but Sometimes when you get a Satori, it's a sudden enlightenment. It's a glimpse of enlightenment. It's when you're on the beach and you're standing there and you can feel the breeze against your body and the sand between your toes and your sunburn itching. And you could feel your breath coming in and out of your body and your, your saliva in your mouth. And you're just listening to the waves and the seagulls and people. And you're, you're actually using all of your senses at the same time you're you're and that only happens for a moment because then you get an instagram notification you know and then someone's calling you hey jordan and you know that that little satori that living in the moment it's over so that's what satori means it's that's that little glimpse of enlightenment where you're actually using all of your senses instead of just your mind you know so then i put the mob at the end so it's still kind of street you know They'll listen to the new shit, but they need to be able to relate to it, you know? So that's why I call this a Tory mob. And again, it's the balance. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I imagine that your music brings moments of Satori to your listeners. I feel like you, you know, I know that you put your all into your music. And so I imagine that your listeners, that evokes that same emotion that, you know, the same emotion that you had when you saw the word, when people are consuming your content and listening to your music I'm sure that there's glimpses of that that's really cool I hope so so when you were younger and starting to kind of delve into the hip-hop industry did you know that you wanted to bring a certain message or were you just focused on making a good song what were your early years of of writing and and performing and and being in hip-hop like 
Um, that's a, that's a really interesting question. I feel like I would probably have the same answer to nowadays that I did back then. And it's that it's a little bit of all of that. And, and that's honestly, as an indie artist, artist, not just rapper, because I'm an artist, not just a rapper. There's a lot of people who just spit bars and that's awesome too. I love rap shit, but I'm, I have proven to my, to my audience to be an artist. I do a lot of artsy shit, you know? So the hard part of being an artist is wondering between those things, what is the most important part to me? Which part of those do I want to indulge in? Where is it? Just, should I just write hit records? Because I figured out the formula of what people like for me. You know, they like my hardcore gangster rap shit. The numbers say it. It's not easy. To, it's, it's not difficult to see. So I already knew that. I know that formula, you know, but so it says a lot about me that I'm not doing that. You know, it's because I'm an artist. I want to. So it's like, yeah, but it's like, do I want to make a hit record? I know I'm make a hit record now. Do I or do I am I doing message with am I doing music with the message? on purpose to help people, knowing that my music has reached a lot of places and is influencing a lot of people and can help a lot of people, you know, or or what was the last thing you said? What was the last? Uh... I can't remember. I'm like so engulfed in whatever you're saying right now. Yeah, I'm having okay. a moment of Satori. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so, you know, it, it, it's like figuring out why you're doing it is the, is the weirdest, or, or is, it for the, is it for the money? You know, because the money, the money is wrapped around making hit records obviously you know and, and that's I know how to make more money with my music it's this way it's doing what the fa- we're doing what the numbers want what most we would say most of the fans want you know but that's a certain kind of fan you know this is a this is a, a fan that only wants to hear gangster rap music that probably doesn't do a lot of introspective thinking that probably um it's just gonna like only songs like this and it's not gonna appreciate when I'm on this side and it's like you know so so does that matter the, the mostly or, or do I want to get paid less money but love what I'm doing and know the message that I'm spreading in my music and talk about my vulnerabilities and be honest about my truths and be embarrassed by people shaming me for the things I do share. You know, this, this, and this is, this pays me in a different way than this pays me. You know, the pay, right. the pay is completely different in, in, in not just money ways, you know, and in money ways. But so I guess um, when I first started, um, I mean, I guess that was still on my mind. It was like, do, do I want to make music, music for me or do I want to make music to blow up and, and get rich, you know? Um, so I guess I'm always leaning more towards this way. You know, I'm always leaning more towards making music like, helping people um fuck the money you know the money I'm still getting paid don't get me wrong you know but I know I could be making a shitload more money if I went the other direction and and we know when I want to go back that way I'll go you know I have a bunch of rap shit in in the fucking chamber ready to go you know but that I feel like that's why I've always been making the music I'm making because um the message is really important to me so I guess to answer your question the message is really important to me and I've realized that I help people with my music and that's really important to me. And it's also really important to my own mental health because I let, like I said, all the shit that I'm talking about on music, when I re- write the record, record the record, uh, turn it in for submission and then release it out into the world and then hearing people's feedbacks, every single stage of that song's life is a, it's like another exhale that I'm making, you know? So for my own mental health as well, 
it's probably better that I'm doing that kind of that kind of music still, you know? Well, I think it's really, really important and also um, very impressive that you can dip into both, right? That you don't have to necessarily just be married to one side. You can, you know, make a hardcore hip hop record and then go back to, you know, whatever fuels your soul, because I feel like making the bangers probably fuels your soul as well. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's like, that's like really, really good immediate gratification. If you're like, oh, I know this is a hit. People are going to like it. It's a done deal. Like that's also like good. You yeah. know, it's like, it's, it is, it's good for building confidence short term yeah. maybe, but like still you're like, oh, I still got it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yes, girl, yes. You got it. <laughs> right. How many songs do you think you have in the vault? Like that you haven't released that maybe aren't mastered, but like are recorded and you could release it if you wanted. Wow. Let me see what, what I have on my, on my um, computer right here. <laughs> I'm curious. It's probably going to be like two minutes long. I'm so excited. By the way, the blonde hair is perfection on you. I miss being Thank platinum blonde you. so badly and it is <laughs> perfect on you. Thank you so much. 10 out of 10. Thank you. So, so I have this, I have this list right here on my computer and there's 21 songs on here um but that's not that's like not all of it I recently restarted my computer so it's missing a lot of stuff but I feel like that that one list of 21 is probably many lists of 21 that you have in your phone if if there's 21 on my on my computer I would say I probably have about 40 or 60 unreleased songs because this is for sure not all of them (laughs) how many songs how many songs do you usually put on an album um, I guess they're all different, but, um, I like to put a lot of songs on the album. Like I'm like a, I have a, a lot of, I have a lot to say. <laughs> I've written, I've done 12 albums in 12 years. I'm like, I guess I have a lot to say. <laughs> um, I like when they're long. I like when albums are long. Like this, this album that I just put out, it has 20, 20 tracks on it. And I think it's like 15 songs. So I like to try to aim between like, I don't know, 13 minimum to like 20 I don't know I would be interested that's what I think but I, I wonder how many numbers that well my projects say let me look on my projects real quick that is a proper song list to give like you know more than a dozen songs to your fans at a time is a such a blessing yeah so I guess my last album had 13 songs the Satori album had nine that one's I think that's like my shortest uh album Oh, Russia Roulette has uh, 19. The Transition has 22. Uh, Sitting Upside Down has 14. Castle in the Air has 12. And I don't have my other projects on here, so I don't know what they are. But yeah, it's, well, I guess I don't know what's average, like 15, 16. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> so when you record, do you have to record a second time so that your songs aren't explicit? Or do you, don't, do you not even go there? You know what? Uh, I don't, I, I, in general, don't do that. Yeah, in general, that's not something that I do. Good I, I probably should, but I, I just, I just haven't, no, I don't, I don't really do that. I think I'm just more curious of like, when you're releasing your song on certain platforms, do they make you censor certain things or are you open to just speak your mind? Yeah, they definitely, for, for sure, I have, I have actual whole, uh, censored version of the album that we have and we send it out 
to all of our DJ friends and all of our friends that are like on the radio and stuff because yeah, they can't play. At least in America, you can't play cussing on the radio. It's outlandish. I don't really know why. I don't never understood that because what the fuck? People cuss all the time. But, <laughs> you know, to be their own. America loves censorship. Um, so so we do do that, but I guess I just never re-record it, like you asked. Like there's edited versions for almost every single, well, maybe not every single every single stuff, but for most for most of my latest stuff, like over the past couple of years, there's always edited versions. But um, I never re sing them. Unless it's like a really important, like for example, my song Ain't Shit, um, it's like a super gangster rap song. There's a lot of parts in there that sound stupid. If it's just, the whole song is like, hey, bleep, 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 bleep. there's so much cussing. So the whole song is a beep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we did make a version where I reset some of the words, if I'm remembering correctly. But I think that's like the only way to do that for it. How funny. How do you continue to master your craft and stay relevant, not necessarily to the masses, but to yourself? Like, how do you keep yourself excited about your craft and what you're saying and making it something, you know, fresh and, and not monotonous for yourself? Um... You know, I guess that's an easy answer. I just make the music I want to make. That's it. And that shit keeps me fueled. Like, not putting a box uh, for, like, not, not, not making myself stand in a box is just the best feeling. And I don't think I'll ever get tired of making music if I keep doing that. You know, and for, for a while... For a while, I had decided that I was gonna go back to just doing rap shit um, because of because of the numbers that I was talking about. But I and I just didn't really like that. And that's when I another million time I realized it's not all about the money. It's just not for me. You know, everyone has different reasons of why they do what they do. For me, it's not just about the money. Of course, it's some a lot of it's about the money. It's you know you have to make a fucking you have to pay your bills. And I have to hire staff and have to pay all them, you know, so I have to make sure not only I'm eating, but that I have generated enough money with my team so that they can all eat too. You know, I have people depending on me. And so it's a, it's, 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 it's always a challenge, you know, of picking, picking the, picking what's important to me, you know, because everything costs more money every year, you know, and, and, but luckily for me, I don't have just one source of stream of income. I have a bunch by now. I'm getting money from all kinds of places. Cause over the years I've just realized that that was an important thing to me. And so I've been doing it over the years. And now when this income isn't paying me this one and this one and this one are, and then when this one isn't paying me this one and this one are, and this, you know, so it's, it's just, uh, I'm trying to make the, the machine bigger every year and, I've found how to do that, even if I'm not making the music that people, most people, quote unquote, most people want me to make. What are some of your other streams of income just to kind of give other people who maybe are artists or creatives who are like, oh, I didn't realize that I could have multiple streams of income. Like, what does that look like for you? So for sure, my Satori Mob clothing line is a huge income for me. And it has been for the past, like, I mean, that's been one of my most important incomes I would say for the past five years, like uh, if not the most important one, it's because that's the one that I, I always keep focusing on no matter what, like sometimes I'll get lazy on other areas of, of my career, but that one, like, I'm, I'm not perfect about it. There's always room for improving, but I'm always at least, at least um, 
on top of it as much as I need to be for the machine to keep running, you know? And then um, also touring. Touring uh, up until a year and a half ago, pre-COVID was also a huge source of my income. Like I'm talking about like a lot, you know? And so... Yeah, that 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 has been really weird to just basically throw away one of my top incomes and then just figure it out. You know, I was thrown like into the water, not knowing how to swim, you know, and and I just figured it out. And I also have an OnlyFans now and my OnlyFans is doing really well. That helps out a lot. Definitely. Um, I get paid for all my royalties for my music. So it's like, even when I'm not making music, even when I'm not making people, making a new album that people are buying, you know, with this next couple of months, I'm still getting royalties from all the last uh, albums that I've put out, you know, and that's, it used to be like shit money and it's still pretty much shit money, but it's growing. And that's like a little, like, I don't wait for the Spotify money to come. Let's just put it like that. You know, like all, if, if all our artists who will see this and hear this, like you guys know Spotify does not pay the bills. The, the streaming does not pay the bills unless you're like fucking rust or something, you know, but until you're right there, like it's just play money. I mean, at least for people who have staff and all kinds of stuff, like maybe if it was just me, okay, it would be cool, but it's not just me. I hire, I have a bunch of people on my team now, so it's not a lot of money. Um, um, I would also say that I'll do like endorsements with brands or like sponsorships with brands. And that helps me a lot, uh, fund a video or fund a shirt or fund a, a banner on my show or whatever that may be. Um, also, um, syncing, I'm getting into the syncing world. Uh, and that, that hasn't paid me a lot of money, but that's just another income that's right there, bringing in a little bit and hopefully going to bring in more because I've been making a lot of syncing music. Um, what else? I don't know. Those are things I could think of off top, but, but that's amazing. Yeah. There's a bunch of little, there's like little, a bunch of little things, you know, that I'm doing and it, it just, yeah. But I think that's really important for you to even mention the Spotify streaming because you're saying like, Hey, it's more than zero. It doesn't pay the full bill, but it's more than zero. I think that those things, oftentimes people are just waiting for like the one big thing to like break, make, you know, make or break them and, and have that one thing pay them like a gazillion dollars when it's like, but also, <laughs> A lot of things added up. You can get there by doing a lot of little things added up. You yeah. Know what I mean? so creative with your with your revenue streams is really important. I mean, I do the same thing. I still do like custom work for my, you know, fine jewelry clients and I'll do exclusives for brands that like I don't necessarily share on social media. It's not part yeah. of my regular jewelry collection, but like it all counts. It all matters. Like yeah. I don't, I'm sure similarly to you, like I don't really say no to much. If it's a stream of rem- revenue, like I don't, I usually don't say no. Yeah, if, yeah, for sure. If it's if it's something that that's a good opportunity, I'm for sure gonna take it. Yeah, I love it. I, I laugh because it's so funny. Like you're totally right. Like people, people, everyone wants to be an overnight celebrity. Everyone wants to go viral. Everyone wants. Oh, I want to get signed. Oh, I want ever like it doesn't work like that. Like the, people are people see Instagram. And they think that it's like this easy life to become an influencer. Like, oh, that girl's just an influencer and she just has like uh, 10 million followers and, and a fucking brand new Range Rover because she's hot. Like, it's not just because she's hot. It's because she realized she was hot and then she realized how to monetize it. And that's most hot girls are not able to do that. You know, it's not it, it's not so easy like people make it seem like 
or like with the music like people are like oh it's easy just i would i could be a rapper if i wanted to like i'm like okay make a fucking record and you let me know how it goes i'll be waiting right here they never do that shit <laughs> i also think when it, when you're creative when you're creative and you're putting out you know product or content that's like beautiful like you're you know you're very attractive the music that you put out is beautiful your presentation is beautiful it seems very glamorous similarly to mine when i'm like uh, i'm in the office 16 18 hours a day seven days a week <laughs> like 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 it, you know i'm so happy yeah. like you know that's what it's you know that that's projected but like there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes and a lot of like a lot of hard work yeah absolutely i'm, I'm glad i'm glad you touched on that oh yes i'm i'm not shy with with being, you know, transparent about what it really takes. And what I, what I love what you said, you know, everyone wants to be an overnight success. Usually it takes like 20 years to become yeah. an overnight success. That's what I'm learning. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm the, as, as the longer time goes on, the longer I've been in the game, I'm like, whoa, these people have been in the game for fucking at least a decade. Or like some people when they, let's say they, they blow up when they're, they're 25, but they've been doing shit on, for like dancing since they were like 12, like TV competitions and dance recitals and fucking every talent show every year, the winner and like, you know, and, and ballot, like, it's not like, it's, it's rarely an overnight success. Like there is hardly anyone that, it just looks like it to people because they just found you, you know, right. like they says, oh, Reverend shit is cool. I just started hurting her. Yeah, she's a dope artist. Like. That's it. Yeah, you know, they don't realize anything beyond that. <laughs> I also find that like the older I get and the more that I learn, the more like the younger I feel, and also the more I realize I have to learn. So I feel like the longer that I stay in the game, the more I'm like, oh, I've got even more time. Or I don't even know anything anymore. Like I, you know what I mean? It's just the more that you learn, you're like, oh, then like that, that opens up in your brain and then that leads to something else and that leads to something else and I'm gonna be like 50 years old thinking that I'm 15 <laughs> still making jewelry yeah I know exactly what you mean how do you how did you become so self-aware like what led you in your life to be so in tune with yourself because you seem I mean I know like you've got you know a thug nasty side we all do right <laughs> but like but but I'm, I, I, the reverie that I know is very like centered and namaste and very sure of herself and confident. Like, where does that come from? Mm, I guess I've always had like a strong confidence just in general since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. um, it's just always been part of my personality. I feel like, I feel like I kind of just had to be that out of necessity because of my childhood life, you know, and, and, um, I got made fun of a lot when I was a kid, um, from when I was a, like in kinder to when I was like dropped out of high school, you know, like, um, and that's, that's also why I started fighting in high school because I would get picked on and I would, you know, I, I guess it, so the reason I say, talk about that is because I feel like it was kind of like almost a forced thing that I had to, I had to be tough because the world was being tough on me, you know, and, and I feel like that's, 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 that's why I, that's why I'm like that. But as far as like my spiritual side and like being more self-aware, I feel like that really started in my early 20s I would say it really started in my early 20s 
I would say that I, I was just so uh, depressed and I was just so tired of being so depressed. I was already like 23 and, and I was just like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like I'm fucking want to die every day and everything sucks. And, and, and people, people see what I'm doing with my life and they think it's the coolest shit ever. And I'm still depressed and I'm still abusing drugs heavily. And I'm still in a toxic relationship and I'm still, you know, like just, not not treating myself the way I, I should have been treating myself but the way people should quote unquote should because that should will look different to everybody but I feel like around that age I don't know how but <laughs> I don't know how but somehow I got introduced to the concept of spirituality and and beyond religion you know and I'm not against religion I think I respect everyone's religious beliefs spiritual beliefs like if you find your peace in Christianity, then you go be a Christian. If you find your, your, your peace in Hinduism, then you, you know, do whatever you want. But for me, um, I didn't really find a peace in the religion that I was introduced to. And I don't know, I, I, I want to say that one day I was just so desperate and depressed that I typed in on YouTube, how to be happy or something like that. And some spiritual shit came up and I want to say it was Deepak Chopra. I want to say that was the first person uh, I was to. That's a good one. Yeah. And when I heard him talk about the seven spiritual laws of success, I was just like, what the hell am I listening to? This is so cool. Nobody's ever talked to me about this stuff before. My mind was like absolutely blown away. And and I since I heard it, I, I couldn't stop playing it. I put like post-its all over the walls in my room of the things that I heard Deepak Chopra say and and, and that was like the beginning of my tr spiritual transformation. I feel like that's, so again, it was out of a place of like kind of desperation, like life made me back up into a wall and I decided that I wanted to come back swinging, you know, and luckily I found Deepak Chopra and then I just, that led me into the, the, the oh, you know what, around that same time too, I was getting into psychology. I started start, uh, studying a lot of psychology because that was, again, like I said, I was depressed as fuck and I was, I was not enjoying life. So I told myself, I need to figure out what is wrong with me. And I, I know that I have severe psychological problems and I, I need to get to the root of them. And so I started studying psychology. Why do I act like this? What happened in my childhood that made me act like this? What, why am I finding myself in this place? Why do I, you know, so around that age was when I started really being introduced to those, that, those concepts and knowledge. I was, I was educating myself on YouTube about psychology and spirituality. And now here I am eight years later and I've, completely transform my life my life is not perfect and I still have problems and I uh, you know what I mean I, I do not want to say I'm perfect but it's so much better than where I was at when I wanted to fucking kill myself you know like I don't feel like that anymore and that's a really good feeling and uh now even if I'm having a, a major issue or moment in life suicide is no longer an option or a thought you know like that thought doesn't come to my head anymore like how it used to like you know and and that's a really good, great, great thing. And the people who ever felt like this, that are that are gonna hear this and watch this, you guys will know, you know, you'll know what I mean. And I wanna just say that there's hope out there, but you have to put in the work. You're not gonna eat good and drink green juices for one week and your depression's gonna be cured. It doesn't work like that. You know, you it's just like how we're talking about building our businesses has taken fucking decades, you know. This this uh it's the same thing with anything. Any, if, if you want to be a professional football player, you have to start when you're a kid and then you work your whole life to do that, you know, and then it's the same with 
we're programmed a certain way by our parents when we're young, whether it's conscious or, or, or not by them. And then when we're older, we have the opportunity to unlearn and learn new concepts, you know, and, and that's going to take a long time. It's going to take years. It's going to take years. It's not over. And I think it's been eight years I've been working on my mental health. That's, I mean, congratulations. That's such a big win. And I'm so proud for you as, you know, your friend and fellow creative, like that's so incredible. And I love that you said that suicide is no longer an option. You know, that when you are having your moments, you have, you now have a tool belt that you can use and kind of tap into different, you know, options for yourself that really help fuel your soul um, instead of take you down. That's so wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. you. I mean, it's, it's a huge deal. And I, and I also appreciate the fact that you said, you know, that it is a lifelong commitment, whatever you're doing, whether it's your craft, your mental health, like you have to get up a relationship, you have to get up and show up every single day. You have to show up every single day for yourself and continue to do the work, whatever that work looks like for you. Yeah. And putting yourself first is a really important thing. I feel like a lot of people forget that, you know, and it's kind of like, uh, you have to take care of yourself first. You, you can't take, you're just going to break and everyone around you, it's, you're all going to fall. It's just like on the airplane when they say you have to put your mask on first before you put it on whoever it is, you know, and it's because if you can't breathe and they can't breathe, nobody's going to breathe. So you have to, you have to respect yourself first. You have to put yourself first. I feel like I kind of don't like the word selfish sometimes because I feel like people use it as a weapon. I feel like people need to be selfish. I feel like you need to have boundaries. I feel like you need to know what you need and what you want and what you expect out of, out of your relationships with people whether it be romantic, platonic, family, or business, it's all the same thing, you know? And, and um, I feel like that was a, one of the most important things that I learned along my journey with, with this uh, whole self-help stuff is to put myself first. Yeah. Well, I often think people confuse the, the concepts of selfish and self-love. There is a difference between I'm going to take care of myself no matter what it does to anyone else, that to me is selfish. Self-love is I'm going to take care of myself with no harm to anyone else so that I can continue to take care of other people as well. There's a difference. And I think that people, often folks who haven't healed or who haven't started their you know, self-awareness journey, that's oftentimes where that confusion comes in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, what is, what is the, the phrase? People go to therapy to deal with people who refuse to go to therapy or something like that. <laughs> it's like, Oh my God, that's people funny. go to therapy. People go to therapy to deal with people who refuse to go to therapy, something along those lines. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's so funny. That's, I mean, it rings true. I mean, I get it. I've been in my therapy journey for three, three years strong. And I am a fraction of the human. I mean, I was a fraction of the human that I am today. That's awesome. Without it, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. I think everyone needs therapy. The whole world would be better if everyone was forced to go to therapy. If everyone, what about a therapy, Mandy? (laughs) Right. Oh my gosh. What about a, what about a self-care mandate? What about about a therapy mandate? Oh my gosh. I am so here for this. Can we start a petition? How does this work? I'm, I I love that. Right. (laughs) 
if you weren't yeah. an artist, what would you be doing? And I know that that would be absolutely pure, pure torture for you. But if you weren't an artist, what is, what do you think you would be doing with your, your life's work right now? Oh my God. Like an artist at all, or like a rapper artist, singer artist. I don't know if both either you tell me. Okay. So for sure, if I was in another realm of art, I would for sure be a, a painter and a muralist or a, a director of a film and videos for sure. Because those are my other two super hobbies um, that I definitely have been indulging in more recently. Um, and I just really love painting actually before I started making rap music and getting paid for it. Um, that was one of my dreams to get to do um, get paid to do murals. I only got paid to do one back then, but since then, <laughs> my dog is whimpering because she's like experiencing love. She's so funny. <laughs> well, come here, Lily. But I for remember sure, Lily. Yeah, so a muralist and a director. Lily says hi. Hi, chicken nugget. She's so cute. <laughs> It's funny, I call her my chicken nugget too. Oh my gosh, you guys have the same hair color. It's the best. I know, it's so funny. <laughs> but damn, outside of art, well, oh my God, you know, I haven't even thought of that because people always ask me that question, what would you do if you were a rapper? And that's always my answer, for sure, a muralist and a director. But outside of art? Oh, that's hard. I, I, guess I, would, I guess I would probably, wow, I don't know. I don't have an top. <laughs> Get back to us. No pressure. Yeah, that's a big no pressure. <laughs> it's just a journal topic for another time. Um, so I'm very inspired by the community that you've built around your brand. Did you like, did you understand what a brand was when you were building that? Like, how did you build that community? How do you, how do you continue to cultivate those relationships? Um, I guess I did realize uh, when I was building the brand that I was going to be building a community for sure. And, and that's why I took so long to come up with the name and the message of the brand. Like I told you, like initially it was just, you know, the shirts was going to say, fuck bitches, get money, you know? And then I realized like, Oh wow. Like if I do this a certain way, it's going to build like a certain community, you know? And, and I, and I realized that most of the people that are like hardcore listeners of my music, like my real hardcore friends, they like all that introspective intellectual shit, at least a little bit. And they're open to those concepts, you know? So, cause not everybody's open to talk about stuff like that, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but I realized that that's so important to me. So that's why I wanted it to transfer over into my, my clothing line and my movement. And that's why I decided to do that. So I it definitely was a conscious decision. Definitely was a conscious decision. And it's just, again, another thing that I've sacrificed like the money for, but it's like, like I said, the money is just not, not the complete objective. It's just not. And so. also with a, you know, 20 year overnight success, the money will come. And I think that it's, <laughs> right. And I think that yeah, it's like 20 year overnight success. Like, right? love it. I love it. And I think it's really beautiful that you are so mindful of the clothing that you put out, the songs that you put out, you want to make sure that it is such an essence of who you are rather than just like releasing merch, releasing songs, like yeah. everything that you do has meaning. And I think that that will ultimately carry through. I mean, that's building a brand with longevity. Like you're, the Satori mom is going to be with you for forever because they know that what you do is authentic. And I hate that buzzword because everyone's using the authentic authenticity buzzword, but it's true. It is true. Like they truly get a piece of you with every with every piece of art that you release. Mm -hmm. I love that. What does your team look like? 
my team is amazing. My team is is what keeps the machine running, and without them, it would it would die. <laughs> so my team, my team is really great right now. I'm right here with uh, Loudon and DJ Lala. We actually all live together. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. So so there's a lot of art going down in the house. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, my brother helps me with, uh, a lot with the music and and uh, some of the graphic stuff and. Lala's been helping me with my my Satori mob and actually she's doing like my PR stuff now, booking my interviews, giving me like all these creative calendars and, and just completely kind of taking that part of it off my hands, especially with this last album. She's been like really like she literally made me this Google calendar of things that I've been doing and I, I've never done any of this shit before. She came in and she was like, Jordan, you have this album. I think we need to drop it the right way. It's because I was like, oh, let's just draw, throw all the album. Like, how I was She's like, that is not the way. I was like, you know what? You're fucking right. So, <laughs> so it's been a great help. And I, I um, recently just hired uh, my homegirls, uh, Christy and Cass. Um, they're helping me run my tutorial mop stuff as well now. Um, and Crip, she helps me with my photography and she helps me like manage my emails because like, I suck at stuff like that. And, my team helps me with, with all the emails because I'm, I'm the worst with emails like there. And, and they help me like make a lot of my decisions, like for a lot of things, not for everything. Cause sometimes I'm like, you guys, I know the numbers say this, but I still want to do that. You know, and yeah. but, you know, in general, my, my team, I, I love my team because they'll give me creative, uh, con constructive criticism and creative suggestions. But then they also, you know, know sometimes I'm just going to do, going to do me, you know? Also I'm working with uh, true graphics. He's been doing a lot of my graphics. Um, Jabran from Too Ill does my screen printing. Um, those are those are my my main my oh my sister helps me too with the graphics and and with the photos and stuff as well. So my team it's growing it's really growing. That's amazing. Well, congratulations on everything. Where can we find you? How can we support you? You can uh, check out my clothing line Satori Mob at satorimob.com. You can add me on social media everywhere. It's Reverie Love, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, wherever, wherever I'm there. <laughs> um, also, my new album, the number one most important thing is out now. Sometimes I like to sing my 12th album in 12 years. It's available wherever you listen to music, Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, SoundCloud, YouTube. You know, I'm, I'm everywhere. You could just Google me. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, shout out to all the fans. Shout out to everybody that hasn't heard of me that's listening to this right now thanks for, thanks for tuning in shout out to Maren Costello you're the shit your jewelry is amazing everyone go buy her jewelry I've been riding with her for a few years now and it's always a pleasure it's always a pleasure and I have to say special shout out to Reverie and Satori Ma because she um for her tour merch her last tour merch she had a picture of herself on the front it's like a black and purple vignette I've been wearing the shirt for the last three days so yes. I did not wear it today because that would just be completely inappropriate <laughs> she's wearing my jewelry on the shirt and uh, we were one of her sponsors for the tour and so the logo's on the back but I'm telling you you are one of the flyest walking billboards like I I love the way that you style the collection. You. It always keeps me so inspired. I adore oh, you. you. You're just, just the coolest human. I'm so appreciative to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you for carving out time to be here. Same. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh this my gosh, great. Of
I know it's the best. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, I am so inspired. Thank you so much to our guest, Reverie, for coming on the show, sharing her story, and being so transparent with her challenges with mental health and suicide. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental health, we encourage you to contact Substance Abuse and Mental Health Helpline at 1 800 662 4357. Another thank you to our host at Dash Radio and our producers at Island City Media. If you liked this episode, you can listen to it again forever and ever on Spotify and Apple podcasts. Please leave a review so we can continue bringing you the people and the conversations that you love like Reverie. Lastly, if you want to connect with me offline, you can find me at Marin Costello and Marin Costello radio on Instagram. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a beautiful day and we will see you next week on Marin Costello radio.